Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Good evening! Welcome to Season 2, Episode 43. This is the last and final installment of Ouija October 2022! And I am joined in the studio tonight by none other than Zoltan the Talking Parakeet. He's eating birdseed right now. And everybody's favorite musical mystic, Tim Cheesebrow! Coincidentally, also eating birdseed right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got my hot cup of decaf coffee with me and my giant mug that Evelyn sent me last year. And uh, is it getting cold where you're at? It's chilly here. Yeah. Yesterday was gorgeous. Today it was cold and rainy and there might be snow. I don't know. Yeah. We're getting ready to have some snow here too. It's going to be down in below 30, below 32 tonight. So it'll hit below freezing. And are your kitties all ready for Halloween? Do you take them out going anywhere? We are going to have kind of a dual party thing. So our kids are still pretty little. And that means we're going to be taking them out probably, you know, earlier on in the evening. As we do every year, we make all of our costumes at home, getting supplementary stuff from the Goodwill as you need, which I think really is the coolest way to do costumes. Cause Absolutely. Wacky stuff. And so we'll go around the neighborhood. You know, we'll probably be done with that about 738. But then my wife and I got a projector and a big old screen and we put up hooks on our pergola in the backyard to hang the screen so that after the done trick-or-treating, we can watch Hocus Pocus 2 in the hot tub. Oh, fun. (laughs) That sounds like a good time. Uh, It'll be great. So family hot tub night watching the movie. um, It's, you know, I think they're going to they're going to think it's the coolest thing ever. Now, my ex-mother-in-law, her and her husband, when he was alive, before they had my ex, JJ. Hi, JJ. Hi, Doreen. I'm going to have them listen to this. So anyway, my ex-mother-in-law, Ronnie, she always talked about pre-motherhood days. Her and her husband would go trick-or-treating around town to their friends' houses, but they would take big fruit jars, quart jars, and they would trick-or-treat for cocktails. And that's how everyone had party in their small town. <laughs> so they would trick-or-treat for booze (laughs) that's a good one you know when i was in high school i still had a brother who was in elementary and so we still took him out you know and a cool thing i started doing 
was instead of trick-or-treating, I would do trick-or-canning and ask for, you know, just shelf-stable food. And then uh, you wouldn't believe I took carloads and carloads and carloads of food to the food shelf. That's a great idea. That's a really great idea. People should do more of that. It'd be fun. Yeah. And if you if you're out trick-or-treating with a younger person, like bring along your own bag, tell people what you're doing, and most of the time they are pleasantly surprised and happy to give you something. Yeah, a couple cans of soup or a couple cans of beans or something. You know what I thought would have been a really fun food drive? <laughs> and nobody understood it. It was a couple of years ago here at the local theater, and I love to support my local movie theater. There's just one in the town that I live in. And they showed the original The Exorcist, right? So I always thought it'd be fun sell, you know, whatever the ticket price was, 10 bucks to get in. But you would get in half price if you brought in a can of split pea soup. <laughs> <laughs> I told a couple friends about that and they just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but like, think about it. You know what? There's nothing better in the world than a really good hot bowl of ham and split especially pea soup, you know? Especially when it's being vomited out of the mouth of a of a small creature. child. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't get better than that. It it just really? doesn't. Halloween and split pea soup go together. Like what do they go together? Like peas and carrots, peaches and cream down South. When I was living at that monastery, one of the old monks had this weird fascination. He, he thought that the quintessential pairing was not any of the things we mentioned, but apple pie and American cheese. I've heard of that over and over again. I guess it's pretty good. I actually make a really mean apple pie, but I have never tried it with cheese on it. Yeah, he used to say, he used to say, apple pie without the cheese is like a kiss without the squeeze. <laughs> and I'm like, Brother Don, and you're a weird guy. <laughs> but you know what? Well, I remember it like 20 years later. <laughs> that's pretty funny. You know, I, I have Zoltan. He's over here. He's eating birdseed still. He's pecking away. I have a little paper towel with a whole bunch spread on it. And he hasn't been, like, I've had him on the past couple episodes and he hasn't been real vocal, but he is talking a lot more. So he might tonight. We'll see. Before we started tonight, we were doing birdie speech therapy and he did 15 minutes of R2-D2 noise training. I mean, if you're going to have a bird that can replicate sounds, that seems like almost a prerequisite. You know, I think it's cool. If And if you go out on YouTube, you can find videos of people with parakeets and they're making R2-D2 sounds. I've seen other birds like a minor bird or something like that. And there's actually YouTube videos out there that's just nothing but repeated R2-D2 sounds so you can teach your bird how to make R2-D2 sounds. So we did 15 minutes and he gets really into it. He sits and tilts his head and listens to it. And then he starts trying to make the noises. He's actually starting to make a few of the clicks and whirs and buzzes and stuff that R2-D2 does. It's pretty cool. Well, you, yeah. And you had pointed out that those beeps and whistles and clicks are actually kind of closer to the sounds they make naturally anyway. Yeah. And then they have little voices that are real robotic. So uh, it just seems to work for him. All right. So, you know, we have been doing the channeling challenge all month. So we'll get back into the channeling challenge chat in just a little while. But let's do something fun because it's been Ouija October and we haven't really talked about the Ouija board all that much. It's come up a couple times, but we kind of danced around it. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I mean, that's what channeling is, is it's just a tool that helps you channel messages, you know? So not everyone likes to use a Ouija board. So give them other options. That's what we're all about here is giving you options, finding your own way. But since it is Ouija October 2022, we're going to do a little bit of Ouija trivia. And I actually, I have a couple of articles that's like the 10 facts about Ouija, but some of it's real common knowledge. So we're going to skip over the common stuff and get to the kind of funky stuff. Get down and jiggy with it. What do you think? I'm always down to get jiggy. All right. So... Did you know that the Ouija board was actually used in a court trial once? No. Well, it says in 1994, during the trial of Stephen Young. 94. 1994, during wow. the trial of Stephen Young, a 34-year-old insurance broker who was accused of murdering newlyweds Harry and Nicola Fuller. The jurors had apparently actually asked a Ouija board about the real killer. The board apparently told him Young was guilty, so the jurors decided he was guilty. <laughs> when it was discovered the Ouija board had a hand in the conviction, Young was granted a retrial. He was found guilty again, though. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't laugh, but... <laughs> so, I mean, if they would have just listened to the Ouija board the first time, you know, they would have saved some money. Uh... And another bit of trivia here. Alcoholics Anonymous. I did not know this. <laughs> There's a little snarky comment at the end of this, too. According to the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson, he wrote the famous 12-step recovery program under the guidance of a 15th century monk named Boniface through a Ouija board. He had a spook room in his house where he would frequently spend time to contact spirits of the dead. It also says that Wilson was a known user of LSD and was involved in a lot of LSD experiments. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know why they put stuff in here like that, but I guess. (laughs) The first part of that, I was like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. Um. Uh, Now, Karen Dahlman, she mentioned this last year when she was on Ouija October 2021. Before The Exorcist came out, people believed in ghosts and almost every family owned a Ouija board. It was very commonplace. And I've discussed that many times. And it was always advertised as a family-friendly game and a dating game of sorts. We'll get to that in a minute. And during World War I, it actually outsold Monopoly. Yeah, everybody wants to contact their dead relatives. Of course it would. Now, spiritualism was really, really common in the U.S. in the 1800s. Absolutely. My grandmother used to participate in table tipping. And it's when people sit around, they put their hands on a small table and it bounces around and rocks and moves and bumps and stuff and answers your questions that way. But yeah, it was very commonplace. They didn't have televisions. People would get together and do stuff and they would hang out and play with Ouija boards. This brings us to our next point. When The Exorcist came out, sales for the Ouija board tanked. So The Exorcist actually really damaged sales for the Ouija boards. For those that don't believe in ghosts and spirits or they're on the fence with it or they're just listening into this and they're like, what what is all this stuff anyway? It's been studied and a lot of people feel that Ouija boards can be explained by what's called the ideomotor effect. 
And this effect is also used to explain automatic writing. We've talked about that on the show very briefly once. But according to the ideomotor effect, all of these involuntary movement by the hands are actually controlled by your subconscious and your hands are gently guided by your unconscious thoughts. Us occultists like to believe that we are the ones channeling the information and then all of that takes place. It's when we are channeling information from the divine, it triggers the ideomotor effect and then it is presented on the other end, whether you're automatic writing or you're using a Ouija board or a pendulum or whatever, it comes out the other end as information that you interpret in some way. And that's a great example of the idea that spirituality and science don't need to be at odds. The ideomotor effect can be true and channeling can be true. They don't cancel each other out in any way. Okay, another trivia. Similar products date back to ancient times, but The true origins are a mystery, but there's other similar tools and other cultures. There was the writing planchette that predated the Ouija board, and there is said to have been some different similar tools in China back as far as 540 BC. So there's no actual proof and nobody's ever come up with actual evidence, but you hear this all the time that actually the origins are a complete mystery. There are tools in other cultures that predate it, and they're kind of a precursor. Yeah, and it's a really logical tool if you think about it, because anybody who knows how to read could put the letters of their language in some kind of logical arrangement, and then they could figure out some way to indicate those letters. Maybe it's a planchette, maybe it's a pendulum, maybe it's like a really primitive pendulum, like a, like a just a regular rock on the end of a string. Or even a dowsing rod. Yeah. I mean, you can, people can come up with hundreds of ways that they could designate a letter. So, yeah, the origins are a mystery because they're so far back in history, nobody's recorded it because it's a tool that is honestly so intuitive that it would be weird if it didn't exist. I would like to point out that the Ouija board is budget minded because when it originated back in 1891, a Pittsburgh toy and novelty shop sold them for the low, low price of $1.49. Moving right along, the board supposedly predicted its own patent. As legend has it, Elijah convinced the patent board that the game was legit by having it predict the name of the chief patent officer working in on this case. Whether that's true or not, there's no denying that they got the man to sign off on the patent for the board. Well, I would assume that's because he satisfied the requirements. (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, so here's here's something really interesting. People don't want to believe this, but if you go back to the original design and the original instructions and you predate The Exorcist, there's very specific instructions. Most of them have nothing to do with the ones that we think are the instructions today. So the, the original instructions said, Place the board upon the knees of two persons, lady and gentleman preferred, with the small table. They didn't even call it a planchette. They called it a small table. With the small table upon the board. Place the fingers lightly but firmly, without pressure, upon the table, so as to allow it to move easily and freely. 
in from one to five minutes, the table will commence to move at first slowly, then faster, and will then be able to talk or answer questions. The letters and numerals forming words and sentences will appear in the glass opening lens of the small table. It was basically originally a dating game, and they always said it was preferred that a man and a woman use it, or a lady and a gentleman, because it was meant to be a party favor kind of thing. It is meant to get people together and get them mingling and talking. The whole thing with the uh, never play it alone and all that, I think that was all added by Hollywood after the fact. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I think is interesting about those instructions is the way that they think about time and the way we think about time. You know, it said after one to five minutes, it may start moving slowly at first and then quicker. And then you can ask it questions. So it might be a full half hour before you could even get to the point where you could ask a question. Our attention spans are not that. Right. <laughs> and especially you know, not nowadays. No. So, I mean, so, so it goes to show like if you take your board out and you put your planchette down and you go, all right, who wants to talk? And 30 seconds go by and the planchette hasn't moved yet. And you're like, well, this thing sucks. Like, <laughs> even the originators said, give it five minutes and it might start to move. Right. And it'll right. start slowly at first and then it'll start speeding up. So, Yep. Now, did you know, I have mentioned a couple of my favorite redheads with microphones on the podcast before. I'm inspired by Agnes Moorhead, and she got her start in radio. And then, of course, we've mentioned Danny Bonaducci, and he's a fiery redhead with a microphone these days. And did you know that Lucille Ball got a start in radio also? One thing that's interesting, most people don't know this, the Ouija board was featured on I Love Lucy, which is a show that was fashioned after a radio show that she had made popular called, I think it was called My Favorite Husband or something like that. It says here that in a season one episode, so this was season one, Lucy becomes interested in horoscopes and numerology. After accidentally tanking a business deal for Ricky, she, Ethel, and Fred go along with one of her wacky schemes to convince the businessman Mr. Merriweather, that he has made contact with the other side, and they end up confused when they assume that he was attempting to contact Mrs. Merriweather, but it turns out he was just trying to talk to his dog. (laughs) Sounds like a Lucy episode to me. He's great. Another interesting tidbit of trivia with the Ouija board in history, there was a predecessor to the Ouija board in the White House, Mary Todd Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln's wife was known for being particularly interested in spiritualism. She would often consult her own talking board with questions about their son who passed away at a young age. Yeah. I mean, it was so popular back then thinking about any president doing Ouija board seances in the Oval Office. It just wouldn't happen today because of the public opinion about what Ouija boards are and represent. But that should go to show you that the attitude towards them wasn't always so adversarial. No, it was very commonplace. And if it wasn't commonplace, it definitely wouldn't have made its way into the White House. Yeah. So so that kind of, it, it teaches us a bit about history and maybe also a bit about ourselves and how we shouldn't base so much of our opinions on 
what Hollywood has shown us. Yep. It's all fantasy and it's all fun. Have fun with it. But you know what? Form your own opinions. It's okay. Now, last one. This was on a, I mean, like I said, I, I printed up some trivia lists for Ouija board and this was on here. This was a friend of ours. It was on the podcast. And this one says they used the design for the inventor's gravestone. Elijah Bond was buried in an unmarked grave. But Ouija historian Robert Murch, the fearless leader of the Talking Board Historical Society, tracked down his remains in Baltimore back in 2007 and finally gave the game's inventor a proper burial, including a tombstone replica of the board. And if you go back to when I had the Talking Board Historical Society on there, we talked about that. It's a really great episode. Merch, if you're out there listening, I still need to get up to Denver to you, and we have a couple of gifts for you, and I still have them set aside for you. So I haven't forgotten. I just haven't got up that way. Another awesome episode, if you've never listened to it, go back to April of 2022 this year, and it is season two, episode 13. We talked about history, trivia, food, and we had a lot of fun with John Kozik of the Salem Witchboard Museum. He was a really fun guy to have on the show. Lots of great conversations with him. Go back and listen to that. And he has an entire museum he has created for talking boards. That's so cool. And I would like to say, John, if you're listening, I have some boards that Tim crafted for your museum. I just have not sent them to you yet. They're one of a kind. Yes, they are. So we've got a couple of boards for both of those gentlemen. So uh, just a little bit behind on (laughs) getting things sent out, but we got them. Yeah, so that's a lot of fun. There is nothing to be scared of with these boards. You know what? I really feel very strongly from using different types of divination tools. I've got my favorites. Obviously, I love Ouija board, pendulums, tarot, and oracle cards. You may like, oh, Tim likes runes. You may like I Ching. You may like whatever. But whatever, the driving force is you connecting to the divine. You are the one channeling the information. It's up to you to use a tool, no matter what it is, responsibly. So go out there. And if you're scared to use something, you're going to be projecting negative energies. And that's what you're going to draw in. So don't use something if you're nervous, you're scared, you're worried about it. You've got a bunch of doom and gloom in your head. You're expecting to be possessed. (laughs) Just don't. It's not what you're going to want to draw in. If you're really curious, do some protections, be smart about it. And like we've said all month long, we prefer to channel and speak with the divine, different beings, angels, spirits of the Goetia, genius spirits for that matter. Talk to the safe spirits, talk to your guides. You don't have to think in terms of talking to scary things with divination tools. Why would you do that? Why would you want to invite in negativity? Well, especially this time of year where people are looking to maybe get a fright for fun, you can certainly approach the Ouija board with that kind of intent. And you know what? You're going to attract something that's going to scare you. And then I guess just don't be surprised when it happens because that's what you asked for. Now, you could use this time more productively and contact a higher being that could help you out and give you answers about things. And that experience will be just as real, but it instead of turning you off of the tool, it'll turn you on to the tool. And 
it'll help you start realizing what the tool's actually capable of doing for you. I mean, people have written entire books transcribed from the Ouija board. Was it Patience Worth? She was the author? Yes, go back to Ouija October 2021. And the first episode, I did a whole history episode on Patience Worth. Actually, Patience Worth is our most accomplished author that I've ever had on this show and actually is more accomplished than all of the authors I've had on this show put together. And this was a spirit that was channeled through the Ouija board. She put out mega, mega publications and they are good books. You can still find them today. Yeah, I think I have three or four of them and they're surprisingly good. Yeah. And actually the one about, what was it? The Sorry Tale about the life of Christ. It was a novel she wrote about the life of Christ. It's really interesting. And the twist on the story is it is about a a man who was born the same day as Christ and grew up in parallel with Christ and turned out to be one of the men who hung on the cross, one of the criminals that hung on the cross when Christ was crucified. And so the whole novel is about that character, if I remember correctly. And historians at the time said that it was just astoundingly accurate descriptions and everything that were in it in the book. And the woman that channeled all this through the Ouija board was not educated enough to have faked it by any stretch of the imagination. Hmm. That's interesting when you can use lack of education as a proof. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, trivia is a lot of fun. Before we started, Tim had some conversation he mentioned that's another form of channeling, and I wanted to talk about it. So I, I didn't let him talk about it till we were started recording. Well, it's actually a conversation that I was having with Taylor Elwood, and I had kind of just posed the question to him. I asked Taylor if he had ever evoked a spirit or an angel, you know, fully so that it was like in the room with him right there like a real person and he said that that hasn't happened to me but that doesn't really change the fact that all of my interactions with spirits are real and being a you know being kind of a skeptic doubting thomas kind of guy by nature i had said well how do you know if you can't see it if you can't i mean if it's not in front of you how can you believe that it's real it's you know and it's it's something that I honestly struggle with, and I realize it's a limitation to what I'm able to do. But I want to I want to come by the answer to it honestly. But backing up, the idea that Taylor was trying to put out there was that maybe sight is not the most reliable resource when talking about what's real and what's not real. And he went on to say that if you're looking at a television, you are seeing images, but you know, what you're seeing isn't actually there. It's an illusion. And even the motion in those pictures is an illusion because they're, they're just flashing so fast that your eye can't discern, which shows you that like the eye is actually a really easy organ to trick. And so he said, well, man, why, you know, why would they appear to you in that way when they can appear to you in much more reliable ways? Like your sense of smell. A lot of spirits have a particular scent to them. And maybe that's not an accident. Maybe that is them communicating with us through our senses 
in a way that is just really reliable that we can go, oh, yep, that's sandal fun. I I, I've never had them identify like that, but I have had them let themselves be known that they are helping me with something. And I'll catch just a brief scent of some sort or another. It'll last a fraction of a second and that's it. And usually when that happens, it's a sign on something that I'm working with them on almost every time. Usually it's a sign of success. So, yeah. So they, you know, they're going to communicate with you through a lot of other means. We talked about how spirits like using the path of least resistance. Well, figuring out how that they can make themselves a solid object on our plane is way more energy than speaking to you in your mind, than making a sound, than making a smell. It's, you know, it's not that they're always going to go for the low-hanging fruit. It's just that (laughs) (laughs) they're trying to be efficient, right? They're trying to communicate. All they're trying to communicate is, yes, I'm here. Now, if they can do that with, like, a puff of rose, then that's how they're going to do it. They're not, they're not going to waste their energy, like putting on a show for you just because you think you need it. Right. I also find that you mentioned the doubting Thomas thing. I think that's okay. And I think we all are. I think that's something that everyone listening to this can relate to. And everyone that I ever read in groups or talked to everyone is like, I don't know if I'm imagining this. I'm getting results. How do I know it's not me just influencing my own thoughts? Because that's what I want. Some of it's a leap of faith. And I I used to have a meme on my computer that said, sometimes our only mode of transportation is a leap of faith. And when I do my magic or I'm trying to get answers or sometimes I'm just quieting myself and listening, I have to take that leap of faith that I'm not the one just making up the answers I want to hear, you know, or Sometimes they deliver some truth and you have to discern, am I self-sabotaging right now? Or is this something I really need to hear right now? Because this is actually the truth. So, I mean, you have to be objective and you have to be a little logical. But I think in the end, if you're if you're channeling your guides, you're channeling angels, you're channeling positive spirits, divine spirits, the big takeaway is they are never going to tell you to do some messed up, tragic illegal thing, harmful thing. They're not going to tell you to harm you. They're not going to tell you to harm others. They're not going to tell you to do something completely reckless. You know, don't cash in your 401k, go to Las Vegas, blow it all on the slots and then go, oh, but you know, I channeled a message from my guides that told me to, they're not going to tell you to do stuff like that. (laughs) So they're also not going to put you down And they're also not going to patronize you. Yeah. So those are cues right there. If you're self-sabotaging or if you're tapping into something you shouldn't be tapping into or whatever. But really, anyone that I've ever talked to or communicated with that was working with positive spirits never had a, a question mark when it came to that. If you're working with angels and you're working from a safe angel book that's known, it's not going to be a problem. Exactly. I had a a friend who has been kind of sending me messages about, you know, what tools could she purchase to be able to see dead people. And I feel like a lot of people have that question. And so I want to just put out there the way that I answered her, because I think folks need to, to hear this kind of thing, which is 
A tool will focus your energy. A tool will execute pre-planned mechanics. It'll function like a tool in the real world, but there has to be your intent behind it. It doesn't just work of its own volition. So if you are relying on a tool to achieve an effect and you're not really ready for that kind of connection or whatever, no tool in the world is going to help you because you're you're trying to focus something that isn't quite there yet. And you would be far better served by dipping into resources that will help improve your clairvoyance, that will help you quiet your body, quiet your mind, that will help lucid dreaming or astral projection or lots of these things where you're encouraging your subconscious brain to come to the surface. Start doing a lot of that and then start looking for tools to help focus that energy. Another thing I'd like to mention is a lot of people think in terms of you're going to have this spirit appear in front of you so you can see it. You want to be clairvoyant. Most of the time, it doesn't work like that. They don't manifest in solid physical form. It has happened. Some people get visions like that that are very, very real. It's not common and it's not the norm. Most of the time when you get a clairvoyant experience, it's a vision that you see in your mind in the moment and it'll be very clear in your mind. It's a skill you can develop. One thing that I found very helpful is when I did the Moldavite challenge, what is about almost a year and a half ago, Balkedmon's Moldavite Mantra Magic book had a mantra in there for psychic abilities. And that one was excellent. Now, it for me, it kind of manifested by way of more like a claircognizance. I do have a little bit of clairvoyance on very rare occasion, but you could probably develop that. And there's probably other ways to develop that. You could also find a mentor that's an actual real practitioner that can help you develop your abilities or give you some pointers. Um, There are people that do coaching. So that's another option. Yeah. And folks often forget the simplest step that could get them to unlock these gifts for themselves, which is to, to ask. Sometimes yeah, I haven't figured it out. I I've done everything in the book step by step and it hasn't happened. Well, what if you just go to your guides, your angels and say, I really want this gift. See what happens. They won't help you unless you ask. Yeah, you and have maybe, to you have to pose the request for them to give it to you. Yeah, and maybe maybe some of these gifts have to be bestowed. They can't be learned. So I think some people are definitely born with with natural abilities that they don't really it, it it works very natural for them and it's it's effortless. Then there's stuff that some of us we just have it shut off at a at an early age. I mean, think of kids when they have imaginary friends and at a certain age we're told, "Okay, you're you're too old for that now. You're too old to pretend like that, you know, tell the truth." <laughs> and they shut it off in us. Oh, that's, you're imagining that. It's not real. And so sometimes you have to figure out where that on switch is. But, you know, two really good books, and I've mentioned this, if these are the only two books you buy at all, and you want like every power under the sun, you can get 72 Angels of Magic by Damon Brand. And then the other one is Demons of Magic by Gordon Winterfield. And it's the Spirits of the Goetia. And between those two books, especially the angel book, 
that's pretty much it covers everything that you need to cover is in that book. And both of those books have spirits that help you with your psychic abilities. Just go through them. There's a lot of them in there, actually. Yeah, those are great suggestions. I use both of those books regularly as like a almost like a reference. Well, it's like I said earlier this month, I actually started using my magic books, especially those two, like phone books when I use my Ouija board. And if there's one that I want to pose a request to, I've started doing not all, but I'd say a majority of my magic that way. I get my Ouija board out. I get out, say, 72 angels of magic. And there's an angel you want to work with for a certain goal, certain outcome. So I get it out and I kind of follow the sigil scan with it. That book is geared towards an 11-day ritual. You can absolutely do that. You could use your your Ouija board 11 days if you wanted to. But typically, I go through all the verbiage in there. I say the angel's name. I, I look at the sigil. I have the Ouija board out. And then I, I use the Ouija board as an amplifier to get my voice heard. A lot of times, they answer back. I'm It's my tool of choice, so it works really well for me. And they will give me feedback, they'll give me answers, and I get knowledge in the moment. So I've even just used it to ask them questions just to see what they're about. So you can just hang out with them that way too. Yeah, and for those that, if you see any of these rituals in these books where it goes for 11 days or even like 13 days, that means that that ritual is based around the lunar cycle. So you would be probably best served by observing the lunar cycle and doing your working if it's for something you're trying to gain start it on the day after the new moon and if it's something you're trying to lose start it the day after the full moon uh, so that the moon's ascending increasing in light and power or descending as you know as your your working goes on those are yep. days. absolutely now, for me as a chaos magician, I just dial them up and talk to them and ask them. <laughs> Your way seems so much easier. <laughs> you know what? Not everyone's comfortable with my way. And a lot of people need that 11 days or they need that more intense way of communicating or my way doesn't resonate with everyone. Not everyone's all that gung-ho about using a Ouija board. So do what works for your psyche. And there's no right or wrong. But you know what? I have yet to have any of these books like the Gallery of Magic or anything fail me. It always makes contact with who I'm trying to contact. Just be respectful. Yeah. Well, that's a big one. I mean, respectful and we talked about respect in the last episode. So, you know, going back to the idea of full evocation and whether or not that matters, I don't think it does. And I get wanting to see a loved one or an angel you're close to. Yeah, you want to see him. Of course you do. That's a that's a basic desire. But if it doesn't happen for you, that doesn't mean the rest of it isn't real. Or it's not meant to happen. Sometimes it's just not meant for us to do things the way we think we want. Just because we want something doesn't mean we're going to get it. I'm trying to teach my five-year-old that right now. <laughs> People get all butthurt about some some things like that. But really, sometimes these angels, they got your back by not giving you what you're asking for. No is an acceptable answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you know what? Sometimes we do topics like this, and I know there's people out there listening going, okay, yeah, it sounds fun to channel and all that, but what would I ask? Why would I do that? You know what you can do? 
if you're just doing your magic, you're hanging out with your guardian angel, your guides or whatever, ask them to help you channel just good, solid knowledge in your day-to-day decisions. And when you're making your day-to-day decisions, take just a second, pause, think about it before you make a snap decision and see if you get a really strong feeling one way or the other and see where that leads. Sometimes your channeling skills can just be about really small, mundane decisions. It doesn't have to be some, ooh, I'm going to sit down and channel the voice of whatever and get these messages. Sometimes you can just channel information for your day-to-day activities and getting through life. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do with our guides and our angels. And that is one easy way everyone can do channeling skills, the mundane. And it's one of those things that will happen. You don't think about it. It's not like, okay, I'm going to channel this answer about this decision. I'm Just let it come to you and ask that they channel in that way. And you're always guided when you make your decisions. Yeah. Automatic and in the background. And there's a book, a Damon Brand book. His his new one, the uh, the one about guardian angels, um, magical destiny, magical destiny. That's it. I wish he would have just said guardian angel or something. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Mister Brand made a great book, and there's lots of exercises in there that will do exactly what Shasta just said. Bring these kind of spiritual moments into your everyday life and. It's powerful stuff. It's pretty cool. And you know what? When Karen Dahlman was on the show in December last year, she talked about a lot of the same stuff. So she reinforced that. And that's how she she's kind of self-taught. She started with the Ouija board. Even if you use oracle cards, tarot cards, runes, anything, you use a tool regularly, you're channeling information from the divine regularly. And that is going to strengthen that ability. And pretty soon, you're probably not going to need the tool as much. You're going to have that intuition going on. And when you have intuition, intuition is you listening to the voice of someone on the other side that's guiding you. Yes. And I'll tell you a a little trick that I do is often for my job, I have to travel distances of an hour or more in the car. So I use that time. I shut the radio off. And then I use that silent time to try and connect. And I get I get some of the coolest messages and bits of advice. You don't have to have these experiences in a super ritualistic setting where you're surrounded by candles and incense and in your robe and you've got your wand and you're like, you don't need all of that stuff. You can have a profound experience driving to work. I tend to do my... Uh communications and my messages and stuff from my guides when I'm walking the dogs. Yeah. Many times, most of the time, actually. So let's do something fun since it's our last episode before Halloween. And FYI for everybody, next week is a special week because we have our Halloween episode. Next week, we will publish a day early so that it will publish on Halloween with special guest Miss Aida, and we are going to talk about some of the most scary monsters of all. Oh my gosh, you don't want to miss it. Be there or be square. Let's wrap up Ouija October 2022. 
do, do. And let's do an oracle card drawing out of the Halloween oracle deck. What do you think? Hell yeah, girl. This is my favorite oracle deck, and this is really great for shadow work, too. We're just going to draw a card for the general listeners, and we're going to say that whatever we draw is going to be useful and significant to whoever hears it, whenever they hear it, even if you hear this episode two years from now. Great. Okay. So are you going to do one and I do one? Is that how we do it? Sure. Okay. You got the same deck? Okay. You do yours your way, and I'll do mine my way, and we'll each draw a card for the listener base. Ooh, I got a good one for everyone. You want to hold them up at the same time? All right. Three, two, one. Point. Skull of Light. And what's yours? You got Graveyard. Graveyard. And I got the Skull of Light. Do you want to go first? Stacy DeMarco says, Graveyard. Unnecessary fear. The stones, they mark the eternal resting place. Yet the spirits, they are walking and they are ready for the chase. Today's modern graveyards are restful places, normally highly manicured and very well set out. Whilst they can be places of profound sadness, few are the creepy gothic places of old, yet they still hold an undercurrent of fear and seem frightening places. Due to countless stories of haunted graveyards, the thought of walking through cemeteries, it evokes fear in many of us. We imagine zombies, ghosts rising from the graves, and a bad spirit hiding out waiting to harm unsuspecting living persons who walk by. The idea of being at a graveyard after dark, or worse, at midnight, is the stuff of dares and nightmares. But this isn't the way with every culture. On the Mexican Day of the Dead, whole families picnic on the graves of their loved ones who have passed. Children play upon the graves. People play music, drink wine, and share food, all in the company of the dead. Graveyard dust is used as an ingredient in protective spells not in curses. Pull this card and know that you fear unnecessarily. Things are not as they seem, and you can overcome your obstacles. The anxieties you have, although real, should be put aside before they haunt you long-term. Instead, trust that you know the correct next steps, and you will act upon them. That's just good advice, man. That is awesome. That was a really great card to draw. Let's see what the Skull of Light says. And it says Illumination on it. It's a really cool card. We can stay in the dark, exist only in the midnight hours, but shining the torch, the victory is ours. As the famous psychotherapist Jung suggested, knowing our own darknesses help us cope with the darknesses of others. Taking the time to know thyself and to seek understanding of our more destructive or shadow natures can lead to huge happiness and less anxiety. The idea of being shown the way in the most difficult of times and always knowing that we are never alone in the darkness are the keys to the magical element. Light is usually a comforting thing, yet sometimes we do not really want to see the boogeyman under the bed. It is too scary, too big, and we know not how to defeat it. Yet by simply shining the torch upon the darkness, the victory is ours. Should the skull of light ever enter your life, know that it is time to open yourself fully to the clarity of bright illumination. Allow yourself to be seen, to see, and act upon what is shown to you. The time has passed for hiding, for pretending, and for swallowing our discomfort by accepting the status quo when it really doesn't suit us. Hmm. Hmm. 
put those two together and you've got a little bit of a powerhouse. Oh my gosh. I think that uh, that's a great message for the times that we're in right now. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. And Um, it's kind of cool when like, when you do stuff like that and you, you use a deck like this, like I, I pulled a skull card and you pulled a graveyard card. And then it also talked about day of the dead, which focuses on skull designs. So you'll see little correlations go together like that too, where it just, the cards seem to be holding hands or like just hand in hand in their meaning and their visuals and everything. So these are really a fun deck of cards with great meanings to explore. I really encourage anyone to check this one out. Well, and what that says to me though, is that DeMarco did her homework. Yeah. And Stacy Stacy DeMarco is the author of this deck for those that don't know that. It's obvious that she put in a lot of hours figuring out the correspondences and really tailoring all the images uh to work. The with. images are amazing. The artwork is incredible in this deck. Yeah, it's right now for me it's basically Rider Wait on the top and Halloween Oracle right below. Yep. Yep. That's the, my go-to, actually. That I've I've worked with the Lay Vampire deck. It's really similar. It's got some amazing food for thought for some of those darker shadow thoughts and those self-help issues and those things that really are what we need to think about, you know? And I'd say if if you're not going to explore the Halloween Oracle, you're looking for something, try the Le Vampire, Le Vampire Oracle too. But the Halloween, I can't get away from it. It is amazing. You want some good advice, it will give you good advice every time. And it's just fun. It's fun. This has been a great conclusion to Ouija October 2022. Oh my gosh, this is fun. So oh, take Jessica, uh-huh. I have a I have a request of you. Huh? Before we go, and seeing as how our next episode is number 44, would you do a Ouija divination from Shaz for us? Okay, so we took a quick uh break. And I went and got the Ouija board, and I already asked Shaz. I already dialed into him, and he said he was willing to spell something out, talk to us on the Ouija board for the podcast. So I will probably edit this as we go, so you don't have to <laughs> listen to a long <laughs> silence. All right, see what we have here. Okay, Shaz, you're on the air. What do you have to say to the listeners of the podcast for the final episode of? Ouija October 2022. I C K. Find your own magic. It's all very personal and very individual for everyone out there. Well, I mean, Shaz has been guiding us a lot of this time, and yeah, that's the truth, man. 
find what works for you. And just because I'm doing something or Tim does something or somebody in a group or someone else, you know, does something a certain way, it might not work for you. It may not be where your heart is. It may work, but it may not be what makes your heart sing when it comes to your magic. You should really be enjoying it. It should be pleasant. It should enhance your life. It should make you happy and it should be a comfort to you. And it should make you feel like you're a better person for it. Yep. If it's not, then it's time to reevaluate and try something else. Like don't, don't give up. And you know, sometimes people I've seen, Oh gosh, I'm just not in the mood to just do a ritual today. Well, sometimes you don't have a need for a ritual. Sometimes you need to let that magic work that you've already put in motion. Sometimes you need to just kick back and listen. Sometimes you don't need to be doing rituals or doing active magic. Sometimes you just need to commune with the spirits. Sometimes you need to just kick back, see if they have anything to say to you. And that's pretty magic in itself. And you know what? When you do that, they're going to help you find the books that you're after or the websites or the resources that really, really are the things that you're looking for. Some people may be just happy doing candle magic or prayer magic or psalms magic. Some people may want to get into the in-depth complexities of ceremonial. It's all up to you, but don't feel like you have to do one thing because it's popular in the moment or because you're in a group where it's popular there. Do whatever you want. One is not better or more popular. Or more powerful. One One is not better or more powerful than another. Yep. So find what you like, explore, and listen to your heart. It will get you on the path you need to be on. And maybe you just take a couple of days to channel that message because here we are, Halloween's upon us. This is when everyone says the veil is at its thinnest. And it's actually this time of year. It's not necessarily one day a year. It's actually a lot easier to hear the spirits just this time of year in general, kind of the week before, week after time frame. And see if you pick up anything that you want to work on as a personal spiritual goal, spiritual journey, path that you want to take, magic you want to practice, something you want to study or put your focus on, and let that be your spiritual journey. It's going to be an ongoing thing, and don't expect it to happen overnight. You may change directions several times and that's okay if you don't know where yeah and if you don't know where to start hey you know what balked moan has a book for everything out there check him out you know (laughs) (laughs) he's awesome he's very knowledgeable and he's very well read and he also has some really great video courses he's a nerd he's our kind of guy (laughs) (laughs) he's done the psalms all straight through too in hebrew and in english he's got to be our kind of a guy (laughs) Can you imagine a party with the three of us? Man, we would we read so many psalms, it'd be crazy. Dogs and birds running around, oh my gosh. So really, I think before we conclude, one thing I really need to say is thank you to Shaws for a live message via Ouija board on the podcast. That was really cool. And really after that, all there is to say is keep a smile on your face. Keep a bounce in your step. Keep practicing your magic. And by all means, whatever you do, have fun. Enjoy it. Make it a party, man. Hang out with the angels and find your groove. And until next time, bye-bye. 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 Awesome. Bye-bye.
Hey, thanks for sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. You will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have. Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random dash illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. Twitter.com slash GOST Radio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions Podcast YouTube channel, the GOST Radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. Just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up. Facebook, privately, Tim Cheesebrow. Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com, and we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures, and hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right, keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.